Somebody ought to say, hallelujah. That's right. All right, chillings, you may be dismissed for Children's Church. Collision course. Hallelujah. You know, this morning uh, we're going to be talking about something that's been laid on my heart for the past couple of weeks as I have been able to uh, witness some serious amounts of this particular thing. Uh, You know, the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And so when I hear that word substance, that tells me that there's more to faith than just some imaginary uh, crutch that you know non-Christians would say that that's how Christians believe in the unseen. Amen. You know, there's more to it than just some blind belief that you know God expects His people just to follow Him blindly with no you know evidence, with no anything. It's just you know they're just led around by this imaginary thing called faith. But the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. And I'll tell you like this, and uh, you probably heard me say this before, but uh, there was a a deep revelation that God had laid on my heart years ago where uh, He was talking about the things that are created that we see were actually created by the things that we cannot see. Amen? You know, we cannot physically see Jesus. We cannot physically see the Spirit of God. But there is an evidence that is at work in my life and in your life and in this world around you that proves to you that Jesus Christ is real, He's alive, He's resurrected, and the Spirit of God rests inside the believer who has called uh, on the name of Jesus Christ through faith. Amen? And so what he said to me through that was the things that are, that are created that we see, the things that we can see, are honestly less real than the things that we can't see. And here's why. Because the things that we, can't, that we can see were created by that which we cannot see. So which one is truly more real? You, you follow it? Am I going too deep on a Sunday morning here? So there's more to this faith thing than just some imaginary blind, you know, walk of, you know, hopefully in the end we'll be correct. No, I know that God is real. Amen. Amen. I know that Jesus is real. Amen. I know that the Spirit of God is at work within my life because the Bible says that the Spirit speaketh and has witness and bears witness to my spirit that I am a child of the Most High God. So when, so when people ask me, how do I know that I'm saved? You know, I'm not real sure. Well, let me tell you like this. The Spirit itself bears witness with my spirit that I am a child of the Most High God. You know, the, the, the premise behind what I want to say to you this morning is that the secret to great faith is very simple. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So you want to build your faith. That's another subject. You build your faith by your relationship that you have consistently with the Word of God. We'll talk about that at another time. But today what I want to talk to you about is the secret to great faith is simple. It is to let God lead us and trust the outcome no matter what we see or don't see. I'm going to have to get on another line here, ain't I? Hallelujah. 
Y'all going to fix me or I got to get off this thing? I will yell in the house of God in a heartbeat. What about now? Woo! All right, let me try this one. Is that better? I just decreased my volume a little bit, will you? Uh, that's, that's a little better. What about now? Y'all like that? We're going old school this morning. <clears throat> but the secret to great faith is simply to let God lead us and trust the outcome no matter what we see or don't see. Amen? How many of y'all know the end uh, from the beginning? Everything that God has in store for this life, like there's nothing in life that has caught you by surprise. Raise your hand. Yeah, me neither. All right, so the only thing that I know to do is to simply let God lead me and trust the outcome no matter what I see, no matter what I do not see. You see, a minister waited in line to have his car filled with gasoline just before a long holiday weekend. This was back in the day when they used to have folks standing at the pump, amen, ready to serve you. Hallelujah. Some churches actually do this now. They go to the gas pumps local and, you know, they'll wait for you to pull up and they'll pump your gas for you. It's a pretty cool little ministry deal. So the attendant worked quickly, but there were many cars ahead of the minister and in front of the service station. Finally, the attendant motioned him toward a vacant pump. Reverend, said the young man. I like that. Y'all call me Reverend from now on. Hallelujah. Sorry about the delay, sir. It seems, and sir, just kidding, y'all. It seems as if everyone waits until the last minute to get ready for a long trip. None of y'all relate to that, do you? The minister said in return with a chuckle, I know what you mean. It's the same in my business. See, I love going on long trips, but me personally, I can't stand planning them. It's just not me. All right, it's just not the way I roll. For me, I usually know where I want to go, but I don't always sit here and try to plan out every little detail of what I'm going to do when I get there. Because my regular everyday life is full of enough details and planning and all this and that. I'm trying to go unwind and relax and really not really do a whole lot of anything. That's my idea of a perfect vacation. But my wife is the opposite. She calls me a homebody all the time, and I'm like, yeah, well, I appreciate that, ma'am. You know, that's a compliment to me, you know. I used to not be that way. I used to always have to be going somewhere. But anyway, she loves to go and do things and explore all that a destination has to offer. She'll put a great deal of thought and energy into discovering everything that, you know, is local that she might want to go and do. Whereas I would be content hanging out at the house doing nothing which I guess is one of the reasons why we make such a great team. If we were to go on vacation and all the planning was left up to me, it probably wouldn't be nearly as fun for them as it would be for me. Amen? Hallelujah. And I have discovered, walking in this Christian walk, that unfortunately, and I say that with an exclamation point, it ain't all about me, Pastor Day. Unfortunately. I wish it was. I don't know about any of y'all, but I wish it was. But I have discovered that it truly is not. You see, for the Christian, though, it's even better than that. Because the trip that God has for us is already planned 
out. How many of y'all believe that God created you with a purpose in mind? Or I wonder if God is just up there in the heavens just like, all right, today I'm just going to haphazardly point my finger and say, let there be uh, Johnny, and Johnny just go and does what he does. No, God has a purpose for why he does everything that he does. You see, God has an itinerary. He has stops along the way and places for us to see, interesting people for us to meet, a great final destination, somebody. Yes, sir. And best of all, here's what I like the most. It's all paid for. You ain't got to pay a dime for it. See, this morning we're going to be taking a look at Abraham in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. So if y'all want to turn there, that's where we're going to be this morning. We're going to be looking at verses 8 through 10 in Hebrews chapter 11. How many of y'all know what Hebrews chapter 11 is called? The Hall of Faith. Yes, sir. So we're going to be looking at Abraham in Hebrews 11, 8 through 10, where we find four amazing truths that encourage us to surrender ourselves to trusting God through this journey. How many of y'all feel like you're on a journey? You don't know where you're going a whole, you know, 100%, but you know you're on a journey. You know, it goes back to something that you've heard me say before, but it's been a while, and I'll say it again, is that there's something within inside the believer, even before I was a true believer, there was something inside of me that said, you are destined for more than what you are currently living. I just believe that everybody here feels that way. And it goes back to what I said just a moment ago. God has created you and he's created me with purpose. So that's where that feeling comes from, that I'm destined for more than what I'm living. I'm supposed to be doing more than what I'm doing. That's the Spirit of God calling you into His purpose that He's created for your life. That's a beautiful thing, y'all. That is a beautiful thing. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 through 10. He says, by faith, Abraham, somebody say faith. I used to hate when preachers did that to me. (laughs) So now I do it to y'all. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, somebody say obeyed. Obeyed. By faith, he obeyed. Oh my goodness gracious. I might start preaching before I start preaching. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That's, we could be here all day digging in this thing. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now, Lord, and I'm asking you right now to bring this word out like a freight train, God. Just let it meet us right where we are, God, because I guarantee each and every one of us, Lord, could learn something more about faith. Lord, we are asking you right now to show up and show out. Hide me behind this cross, God. 
Use me as a vessel, Father, not to communicate my word, but yours. I love you and I praise you and I lift you up right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first truth that I want to convey to you this morning is found in verse 8. And it's in the part where he says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called. And who was he called by? God. Church, when we ask the Lord to lead us by our faith in the calling in which God has called us, then please understand, beloved, that God is our director with a capital D. The title of this message this morning, Lead Me, Lord, By My Faith. He can't lead you by anything else. Please understand, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed. Amen? Abraham could not have stepped out from the place in which he lived in a very comfortable lifestyle where he came from a family with great wealth. Why would he leave the place where he was, uh, had habitation and all that he could ever want? Because by faith, God showed up and by faith, Abraham obeyed the word of God, the calling that God had placed on his life. And I guarantee the main reason why Abraham was willing to leave there was because he felt deep within himself that he was destined for more than he was currently living. That might preach somewhere. Why else would he have left there? See, church, when we... Ask the Lord to lead us by our faith in this calling which he's called us. Then God will be our director. He's not going to leave you just to wander around with no purpose. Just hoping you're going to get to the right place. We all rely on guides who guides who know what they are talking about and can guide us correctly. Whether it be doing tons of internet research. Some of y'all can't go on a trip without like getting online and finding every little detail. Y'all got like a list at 8 a.m. on Friday. I'm going to be, you know, my hair did, my breakfast done, and I'm going to be standing in line over at Ripley's Believe It or Not. Amen. And then at 8.14, I'm going to be... That's how some of y'all do. So some of us rely on doing tons of internet research on a place with, by reading articles uh, from people who have been to this particular location. Or some of us, anybody who's ever looked into going to Israel, how many of you want to go to Israel one day? I, I don't know about y'all, but I do. Some of y'all have already been. But if you were just to get on a plane and go to Israel, then what? What would you do? You wouldn't have a clue without the proper education about what to do when you get there. That's why they have these trips that ha- where you hire an actual guide and you follow the man or the woman around or the people and they show you at this, this is the place where Jesus' tomb was, but he didn't stay dead. And that's the, the rock, the, the stone that rolled away. And praise God, hallelujah. And you're standing in the midst of a place where Jesus' feet had been, but you wouldn't have a clue if somebody didn't tell you this is where it was. You follow what I'm saying? You see, God is our guide. We all rely on guides to get us through, you know, the unknown questions that we have about our journey. 
Without a God to show us all that a place has to offer, we are left wandering aimlessly through a place, missing the hidden treasures this place has to offer. Man, I'm preaching a lot better than y'all shouting amen. See, an African safari guide was once asked, is it true that jungle animals won't harm you if you carry a torch? His response was, well, that depends on how fast you carry it. We all rely on God's. You see, God guides and goes with us from the beginning to the end. Praise Him. From the moment of our salvation to the moment of our elevation into heaven, God is there. And He is directing us through the obstacles that this life has to throw at us. Let me ask you, are there obstacles in your life? Do you know how to overcome each and every one of them just automatically? Man, I have seen some junk, man. And I'm like, Lord, how? Or Brandon, how? Usually is my first question. Yo, dude, what you going to do? And God's like, "Mm mm-hmm. Here I am. I'm waiting. I want to be your guide. I want to be your director. I'm waiting. I'm right here. See, Joshua 1.9 says, Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. I love that. That's my KJV buddy right there. I love that. The Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. In other words, he's all the time good, and he's with me all the time. Hallelujah. Whoever or whatever comes against us, God is there to be the director that we need to overcome anything and everything. Romans 8.31, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? That is a bold statement right there, somebody. That, you know what that statement says to me? is like, look, that ain't nothing to me, child of mine. That is, it don't matter what you think it is. That is nothing. No matter what comes against you. If I'm for you, who can be against you? Greater am I because I'm in you than he that is in the world. Ain't nothing this world can throw at you that's greater than him. See, we have recently seen firsthand what it looks like to have an impossible situation come against someone that we love and cherish so dearly. Only to watch this person rely on the Lord as director to show them how to overcome it. And because God is our director, we are more than overcomers. 1 John 4, 4 says, Ye are of God, little children. I like that. Uh, Y'all heard me say this a few weeks ago. That's the relationship he wants to have with you. As little children. If we could just humble ourselves to the point to where we can say, okay, daddy. The impossible would become possible in our lives. That's a hard place to get to, though, honestly. Honestly. That takes a great deal of humility because 
human nature says, no, i got to tackle this event on my own. I'm grown. I'm kicked out the nest. I've been paying my bills. i got to do this thing. And God says, look, uh, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Powerful. The second thing I want to share with you all this morning is also found in verse 8. It's the little piece in there where he says to go into a place. See, when we ask the Lord to lead us by our faith, then beloved God gives us the direction. Not only is he the director, but when we put him in the proper place, he also gives us, that's what directors do, right? They give direction. See, we all need good and clear direction. Any of you ever just, you know, been into a place and they just dump a whole bunch of stuff out on the table and it's like, you know, all right, go ahead, get to work. And I'm like, now what? No, I need some direction. What am I supposed to do with this thing? Where do I go from here? We all need good, clear, and proper direction. See, sometimes God gives small directions so we can accomplish big things. He doesn't always overwhelm us with the details because the details would crush us beneath the weight of them. He's not asking you to do it in your own strength. He's saying trust and obey. By faith, Abraham obeyed the word of God. See, walking in the direction given us by God requires that little word called faith. To receive his directions properly, we need to have total confidence in God and not ourselves. Y'all remember that little insignificant verse over in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? There's no such thing as an insignificant verse, by the way. What does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. But in all thy ways acknowledge me, or him, and and he shall direct your path. See, most of y'all could recite that by memory. See, in order for us to properly receive God's direction, we need to have total confidence in God and not ourselves. To receive his directions properly, we need to live. Here we go, y'all. Go ahead. Uh, You can put your feet on the pew just this one time. Pick your toes up. We need to live a holy lifestyle. Help me, Jesus, in his name right now. Proverbs 11.5, the righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way. You don't have all that baggage hanging over your head trying to remember all the evil deeds you've done so they don't come back to bite you. You got total peace and a clear conscience, but the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. My old pastor used to, when we did some crazy junk, he'd call us into his office and this is what he'd say. Especially when it was like, you know, this brother over here is having some issue and I'm having an issue with him and, and he knows all this is going on. So he calls us into his office and he says, 
But you don't understand, Pastor Tim. You know, he's been talking like this behind my back and saying this, that, and the other. So that's why I did that against him. And he said, well, just understand this. This is what the Bible says, young man. The stone that you try to roll over another person's head is the same stone going to roll back down the hill and roll back over your own head. How many of y'all want a stone rolling up over your head? He, he also said this. The ditch that you try and dig for another person, that same ditch you're going to fall in. I got chills right now thinking about that. That's the word of God. He says the righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way. But the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. Wow. To receive his directions properly, we need to trust God's inerrant word. What's under more attack than anything else in Christianity? The word of God, even by Christians. I got some uh, people that I talk to that uh, are going through Bible college and, you know, seminary and things like that. And I myself am as well. And I tell them and I tell myself consistently, beware on the attacks of God's inerrant word. Even in the seminary, please understand. What better way for the enemy to sow seeds of doubt in a person, in a believer's mind and heart than in a Bible college? Trust me, it happens. I've seen it. We must trust in God's inerrant word. Psalms 119, 133. I love this verse. Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Why Why is he making this declaration to the Lord or this, you know, why is he imploring the Lord of this thing? Because he knows that iniquity can easily have dominion over him. And he needs God's help for it not to happen. I think we do as well, amen? You know, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the whole Bible. And I dare you to go back and look at the overarching theme of the entire chapter. The longest chapter in the Bible, every verse has the same theme. Over and 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 over again. The power and authority of God's word. Go back and read it. You will see every verse in the longest chapter of the Bible talks about the importance of having a relationship with God's Word. You'll see. How much do you trust God's Word? See, God's Word always works and is never without effect. There is a really great verse that most of us have probably heard or memorized in Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. Where do words come from? From your mouth. God spoke his word. And when he spoke it in the beginning, let there be light. Guess what happened? Light happened. When he spoke all the other things in creation, guess what happened? All the other things in creation. That's power. 
So, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall, here's a nice one, prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Sometimes we don't see the, pros- the prosperity from a promise or a word from God because God's prosperity don't look the same as our own perception of what prosperity is supposed to look like. You know, there's a whole thing out there in the world today and they call it the prosperity gospel. The name it and claim it, the blab it and grab it. Whatever I want, God, you give it to me. I heard a preacher say, one of the most famous preachers of all time, if you are a child, you are not a child of God if you're not rich, is what he said. And I can agree with that, just not in material. But you will be rich in spirit. Now, if that's what you was talking about, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't. But yeah, the child of God will be rich in spirit. You see, we must understand that God sees more than we do. That's why we can trust Him at His Word. We can't see what He sees. Psalm 32 says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. Why? Because I will guide thee with mine eyes. I would love for God to be watching my back more than anybody else I can think of. Third truth I'd like to share with you this morning is also found in verse 8. In the part where he's talking about where Abraham obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. How many of y'all could do that? I mean, that's, that's asking a lot. But by faith, Abraham obeyed and he went. So what does it mean by obedience? That means he did what he said he was going to do or what God asked him to do. So not only did he say, yes, Lord, I believe you, but then he actually went out, the Bible says, not knowing whither he went. When we ask the Lord to lead us by our faith, then, beloved, God gives us determination. Someone once asked the journalist and radio commentator Paul Harvey to reveal the secret of his success. That dude has some crazy stuff. Y'all go back and listen to some Paul Harvey. That man will blow your mind. What is the secret to your success, Mr. Harvey? Harvey simply said, I get up when I fall down. When we ask the Lord to lead us by our faith, and beloved God gives us determination. The consistency, somebody needs to write this down or memorize it or whatever it is that you need to do. The consistency of your path will be determined by the exercise of your faith. The consistency, some people are living a life full of inconsistencies. Up one minute, down the next, backwards and inside out, right side in and right side out, all at the same time. And your head's spinning around on its axis, if there is such a thing. 
But the consistency of your path will be determined by the exercise of your faith. I mean, let me break this down in real terms to y'all. When the worst thing you can imagine happens to you in your life. The worst thing you can imagine. Maybe it is the passing of one who was closer to you than anybody else on the planet. Maybe it's that person you felt like you couldn't live without. Maybe it's divorce. Maybe it's a job loss. Maybe it's terminal illness. Whatever the fill in the blank might be, the consistency of your path will be determined by the exercise of your faith. Because nothing happens to you in your life that catches God by surprise. Please understand this. That doesn't mean that He's mad at us when we fail in this department miserably, as we all shall do. But if you want consistency in your life, then that consistency is determined by the exercise of your faith. That's a deep word right there, somebody. Faith must be a daily exercise and put into practice. Remember what I said earlier. Faith is the substance. It's not a make-believe you know, thing that we just hope is real. No, it is, it is not only substance, but it's evidence. What's the definition of substance? What's the definition of evidence? None of that is make-believe. It's something that exists as real as gravity, as real as oxygen, as real as anything else you can think of. Faith is just as real. And faith must be a daily exercise and put into practice. Because faith is the foundation upon which the productive Christian lifestyle is built. It's built on faith. 2 Peter 1, 5 and 8. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. It doesn't say add to your virtue faith. It says add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. The first thing in that whole long line of list of things is faith. Look what he says if you do that. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word of God is powerful up in this place. See, determination means an internal drive to finish strong. You're going to need an internal drive to finish this race strong, somebody. Please understand, because the unexpected is going to happen. 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. And he goes on later to say, and because of that, I have received a crown of righteousness. You will be rewarded for what you have done here on this earth. You will be rewarded for your faith. Determination means that we must have faith even to please God. Hebrews 11.6, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. Somebody say impossible. 
It's not possible to please God without faith. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's not, he knows what you're going through. He knows. He's not punishing you. That's just this fallen world that we live in. Some people say, make claims like, well, you know, God took brother so-and-so out because he needed another angel. Well, whatever. But then the same argument must be made that, you know, God allowed some other crazy thing to happen because whatever. We live in a fallen world, somebody. We live in a fallen world. And it doesn't catch God by surprise. But please believe me when I say, put your faith in Him. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. The reward just may not look what we want it to look like. Determination means that we, make, that we waste no time in seeking and listening to God. Proverbs 8, 17. I love them that love me. And those that seek me early shall find me. Determination means that our seeking must be passionate and fervent. Jeremiah 29, 13. And ye shall seek me and find me if ye seek me with all your heart. I know we're getting close here, but I got one more thing. He's on a roll. The last and final truth I want to share with you this morning can be found in verse 10. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. When we ask the Lord to lead us by our faith, then, beloved, God gives us our destination. Some of you have heard the story of former Senator Dwight W. Morrow, who searched in vain to find his railroad ticket as he was traveling on a train leaving New York City. I must find that ticket, he muttered. The conductor who stood waiting beside him said, Don't worry about it, Mr. Morrow. We know you had a ticket. Just mail it to the railroad when you find it. Well, that's not what's troubling me, replied Morrow. I need, it to find, to, I need to find it to know where I'm going. The final destination is worth the trials and troubles of the trip. The future is so bright that it outshines the present. Sometimes the present's not so bright. Jesus' present wasn't always so bright. And the Bible said he endured the suffering of the cross, not for the present, but for what was to be the outcome of his obedience. He didn't go on the cross because he wanted to or because it was going to feel good. He knew what the cross meant. It was the most painful, horrific death you could possibly endure just about. The shame. The physical, emotional, spiritual torture. But the Bible said that it pleased God to send him because of the outcome of his obedience. We can't fathom that. 
But the present is not always beautiful. But the future is so bright that it outshines the present. See, our final destination, which is heaven, is eternal. Hebrews 13, 14, for here we have no continuing city. How many of you know that from this place we will pass away? We will not always be here. Even science says energy can neither be created nor destroyed. And your body is nothing but a bunch of energy. So where does that energy go when you pass from this world? When this body ceases to live? It's got to go somewhere. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. See, heaven is magnificent. Revelation 21, 10 through 14. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And I had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three, three, three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Church, heaven is magnificent. Heaven is also prepared. Hebrews eleven sixteen. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. Beloved, you are not forgotten. God has not forgotten you. No matter what your present situation currently looks like. God has not forgotten you. And heaven is also personal. John 14 two, In my father's house... Are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Come on up, brother. Whoever's closing us out in song. See, notice he is not going to build the mansions, the mansions are already there. In my Father's house are many mansions. But what Christ is doing is getting those mansions literally fitted and prepared for you personally. What a great God who cares that much to give individual attention to every detail. Just because He loves us. Are you allowing God to lead you? Is God your director? Do you rely on His direction? Where does your determination come from? In your own strength? Because your own strength will fail. 
But God's strength will never fail you. Because this journey that you're on is leading you to a destination. A beautiful destination. A destination so beautiful, its brightness outshines any circumstance you presently face. Stand to your feet, William. I got a question for you this morning in closing. You don't have to stand. Stand if you're able. God will meet you where where you're at. My question to you is this. Not only are you allowing God to lead you, but do you trust Him enough to lead you? Or is there some part of you still holding on? Because God will meet you right where you are at. So this morning, that's my invitation to you. If you're still holding on, you just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But God's speaking to your heart right now. He's nudging you. He's making you think, that ain't me. That ain't the words I've spoke this morning. That's the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But you say, you know what, preacher? I don't want to keep holding on to this junk. It's weighing me down. It's bogging me down. It's killing me slow. God has freedom for you in the house this morning. God has peace for you in the house this morning. And wherever wherever it is that you go. If that's you, the altar is open right now in Jesus' name. Y'all go ahead and lead us. Yes.
There's light for 